By way of a copyright case update in Anna Pasternak against Laura Prescott concerning alleged copyright infringement of a work of non-fiction by a quasi-fictional novel. This case was heard in the High Court late 2022 by Mr Justice Johnson. Um, It's a beast of a judgment, it's almost 500 paragraphs, and I think it's an excellent reference for practitioners or those interested in the law of copyright as it applies to novels. Um, I would direct you to paragraphs 83 to 120 for a nice summary there. Um, For anybody who wants to trawl through the guts of the facts, and there was a lot, there's a thorough analysis of the various parts of Miss Pasternak's book that were alleged to have been copied. I'd direct you to paragraphs 173 to 403. So the claimant, Ms. Pasternak, wrote a book called Lara, the untold story that inspired Dr. Zhivago. And there was an English translation of a French edition of a Russian work, which she also owned. And that was referred to as the translation claim. The defendant was Miss Prescott. She wrote a book called The Secrets We Kept. The claimant claimed that seven of 11 chapters of the defendant's book infringed the copyright in seven of the 12 chapters of her book, Lara. She called that the events claim. She claimed that the defendant copied a substantial part of the selection, structure and arrangement of facts and incidents, which the claimant said she created in her book, Lara. The claimant also claimed that the defendant's book infringed the copyright in the translation because it copied an extract from the translation, which was actually quoted in the claimant's book. Now, now as I said, the judge spent a lot of time on the facts. Some of the things that he noted was that both authors used a number of the same source materials for their work. He summarised those key source materials. He also noted that the authors were on opposite ends of the spectrum in terms of writing process. The claimant wrote her book in a period of four months and the defendant completed her book over three years in an academic environment. Now, the defendant had a copy of the claimant's book when she was writing her own book, but her evidence was that she didn't have it open when she was writing her book. So although the defendant accepted that she read the claimant's book with reasonable care, she also called it a disappointment. She said that in cross-examination, she didn't think it contained anything new as much of the claimant's book came from other source materials. The defendant did reference the claimant's book in the author's notes and acknowledgement as a book which she consulted. Now, interestingly, the claimant's evidence was that she She'd never read more than a small fraction of the defendant's book. She dipped into the book, came across a passage that upset her apparently, and she was appalled by the writing. The judge remarked that was extraordinary uh, and odd, but he accepted it. The judge then went through the relevant law on copyright infringement, which effectively is if somebody without permission copies or does any of the restrictive acts. And he also went through the law on subsistence of copyright, um, which is often summarised that um, an experience it must be an expression of a work and not in the ideas themselves. He went through the uh, seminal case of Bygent and Random House. Uh, He reminded us that it's not sufficient for an allegedly infringing work to simply replicate use of items or information, facts, ideas, theories, etc. So nice summary there. And ultimately, he was satisfied that the claimant's events claim, as she was calling it, they were protected by copyright. It did constitute the expression of the claimant's intellectual creation, and she had exercised her own skill and labour in her arrangement and presentation of the facts and incidents. But... He said that the similarities between those events which were protected by copyright and the defendant's work were trivial and it did not raise an inference of copying. The judge methodically analysed the claimant's supporting allegations, as it was referred to, of her claims, and he decided that there were a number of differences. He then quickly dealt with the translation claim. He said that it was protected by copyright. 
Just a small comment on translations generally. They have a low level of originality, generally speaking, but they do require creative choices. And so they can be protected by copyright as they were here. He looked at the fair dealing defense of using a quote. Now that requires there to be sufficient acknowledgement and the defendant didn't do that in her book. And she could have made a reasonable inquiry to find out who owned the copyright, but she didn't. So she did infringe the translation claim. Now, in my view, the decision, as I said at the top, contains a very useful summary of copyright law when you're considering issues of copyright concerning the selection, structure and arrangement of facts and incidences. So with books, really, um, there's some interesting practical points there for lawyers on how best to formulate your pleadings and your evidence in such cases. Um, very interesting issues on translations and infringement of translations. Nice summary. And if you're using quotes, get the acknowledgement right. Thank you for listening.